Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, uh, uh, thank you to everyone who's been praying for me and who's uh, been carrying me through prayer and sending phone calls and cards and messages. and It's been very beneficial and thankful to everyone who's brought meals to our home to help us. and um, Thankful for my wife who has had to be caregiver, hard worker, wife, and everything all at once. And so she's done an amazing job taking care of me over the last four weeks. And so, but it's good to be here and it's good to be here. Um, Pastor Thompson sends his greetings from Ethiopia. Uh, he is seeing amazing things happening over there. And um, we're excited to be able to share the word of the Lord today. Uh, as we were singing that song, uh, your ladder will be greater and singing about God being the God of this city. Obviously, sometimes when we look at the things that are happening in our world, it's hard to imagine that God is getting glory out of it, right? Um, but over the last few weeks and months, I've been able to sit at home and observe the things that are happening around our world. And it's amazing to me as we see the presence of God just falling in places and doing amazing things for people and uh, the last few weeks here at Life Church, it's been that way as well, uh, from our Wednesday night prayer meeting at the beginning of the month, and then last Sunday in our 11 o'clock service, the presence of God just swooped in and began to change people's lives, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that we can experience the presence of God that way. Uh, I have a, have a pastor friend in Arkansas who uh, posted an item on Facebook this past week, and he said, when you seek for revival you will get performance, but if you seek for Jesus, you'll get revival. And I think it's so true that so many times we will pursue things, right? We'll pursue revival, we'll pursue uh, gifts, we'll pursue anointings, we'll pursue ministries, we'll pursue words from the Lord, and what we wind up getting is a manufactured display of God. Uh, and so it's so important that we not get caught up in pursuing an activity or pursuing a ministry or pursuing a word, but rather begin to pursue Jesus. And if we will pursue Jesus, we get everything else. Pastor Thompson's famous for his, his life verse, and I think Carl Johnson would say it's his life verse as well. It says, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to you. And so I want to encourage you today, continue to seek Jesus. If you will seek after him, make him the priority, make him the goal. What our, what our young adults have been doing up here, seeking after Jesus in worship, what we've experienced in our altar, seeking after Jesus, brings all the anointing and all of the things that we're desiring. It, we just got to get it in the right order, right? We got to seek Jesus and then all the other things come to pass. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that's our focus. Let's keep that as our goal. Every time we gather together, we want to see Jesus work in our midst. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. Well, I'm going to dig into the word of the Lord today. Uh, as I, I love to teach and to share God's word, as you all know. 
And uh, so we're going to dig into uh, a passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today. I'm going to try to do it as best I can and as comfortable as I can. Um, but at the same time, we're going we're gonna to have church, if that's all right with everybody. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to be in this passage for the majority of my time today. So if you're in your Bible or if you want to follow along on the screen, either way, just keep it open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, beginning at verse 3, it says, But even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. If you skip down to verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'd like to look at that last passage, verse 16 through 18 from the Message Bible, where it says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Yes. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. Verse 18 says there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. I want to preach this morning on this thought, more than meets the eye. More than meets the eye. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power, your strength, your mercy, your grace. I thank you, Lord, that in this place this morning, there are people here who have come hungry for you, desiring of your presence, seeking after you. And today, God, you promised in your word, if we would seek for you with all of our heart, we'd find you. And today, God, we come seeking after your purpose in our life. We come seeking after your will in our life. But more importantly, we just want to seek you. We want your presence. We want your worth in our life, God, the value that you have placed in each of us to worship you. We extend that today, God, and we ask you to allow us to worship you with our whole heart. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Those of you that grew up in the 80s, or maybe those of you that had children who grew up in the 80s, will remember some of the cartoons that were a part of our generation. Now, if you're a young adult today, you said 80s. I didn't know that was a time period, but 
Um, for some of us, the 80s was a big part of our life. Uh, we'd rush home from school to see cartoons like G.I. Joe, yes, knowing it's half the battle. Go Joe. Um, we'd also see cartoons like Rambo and Super Friends and Masters of the Universe and Thundercats and Voltron. And one particular cartoon that got a lot of play over the last few years as they've taken the cartoon and turned it into live action movies is one called Transformers. Now, the idea behind Transformers was that this alien race of robots had come to Earth. One group of robots was known as the Autobots, the good guys, led by their leader Optimus Prime, and they were living in plain sight on the Earth because they had taken on the form of automobiles that we readily see everywhere. And their enemies were known as the Decepticons. Although evil, they were also living in plain sight by taking on the form of jet planes and other machinery, and, and we see that on a consistent basis. And the idea being that, and it was played out in their theme song, they were robots in disguise, transformers more than meets the eye. Because ultimately what you saw and what was really going on were two different things. The idea being that the things that are happening all around us because we don't visualize it, sometimes we just assume that what we see is what we should be getting. Some things can be hidden in plain sight and we not even recognize it because there's more going on in our world than meets the eye. It wasn't just an 80s cartoon principle that I learned that from. After all, as followers of Christ, we are somewhat familiar with the concept. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Our very faith is the result of a hope that extends beyond the natural realm into the supernatural arena. Our faith is the evidence of a God that we cannot see, but we can point to the results of his power which instill faith in us. If I had to prove to you visually that there is a God, I could not go and pull a physical description I couldn't draw you a picture. I couldn't show you a digital image that I posted on Facebook or Instagram, or I couldn't show you a TikTok video of him walking down the street. If I was going to show you that there is a God, I could not rely on visual confirmation, but rather a demonstration of his handiwork, a revelation of his power revealed by his consistent daily transformative work that takes place all around us because he is, in essence, hidden in plain sight. And many people miss him because they don't have faith to look for him. And that's what Paul is really saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where we read today, verse 3, he says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So... We all understand we do have an enemy in this world, and, and we know him by many names, but let's just use Satan this morning. Uh, he's all about the shell game. He's about misdirection. He's about veils and tricks. He gets you sidetracked, deceiving you by getting you to look at all that's going on around you as long as you don't look over here and get your eyes upon Jesus. He has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Why? Why? Because he doesn't want the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the very image of God, 
to shine on them. To truly understand what Paul is saying here, you really have to look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a chapter before, where Paul talks about how when Moses was on Mount Sinai, he wanted to see God. And God recognized that Moses was incapable of truly handling a full revelation of the glory of God. And so he hides Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he allows him to view only the backside of God or the hinder side of God as he walked by. And, and getting just a glimpse of God, even though it was only from behind, so transformed Moses that when he came off the mountain, his entire countenance was glowing from having been in the presence of God. So Paul draws this comparison to Moses. As a matter of fact, they had to put a veil on his face lest his glowing countenance damage other people's eyesight. And so Paul draws a comparison to Moses because he recognizes that Moses' countenance was changed while only temporary, but it was changed because it was, he was in the presence of God, but it was only an outward transformation. It could only last for a little while, and eventually Moses stopped glowing, if you will. But the work of the new covenant that Jesus is doing is not simply an outward change. It is an internal transformation, one that is meant to last. Notice verse 6. It says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul says, the same God who commanded light to appear out of darkness, let there be light, there was light, hath shined his light not on our faces, but rather in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And then he says that we hold this treasure, what treasure? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That treasure, we hold it in earthen vessels made of clay, rotten, stinking flesh that we are. Why doesn't God just transform our outward man, glorify our bodies to match what he put on the inside of us? Why didn't he just do that? No, instead he puts it in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. He does it so there's no question as to who the real star of the show is. Right? If we thought that we could do it ourselves if we think our transformation is based upon our ability to do it right on the outside and get it all right our transformation would be complete but it wouldn't be based on god it would be based on who us that's not the will of god truth is god knows us so well that our transformation isn't complete yet we haven't truly become like him yet and in our current state we couldn't handle having a glorified outside that matched up with the spirit-filled inside because we'd be puffed up with pride, somehow thinking that our newfound power was from us instead of giving glory to God who was doing this amazing handiwork on the inside. Can you say amen? amen. Thus, what goes on around us is not always as it appears. What you see is not always what you get. So you look at someone on the outside and you make a decision, a snapshot about what's going on with them. But you don't know the glory of the light of Christ that has shined on the inside and is working on them and permeating them and doing things in them that you can't comprehend yet because you're trying to figure it out based on what you can see, not on what God is doing where you cannot see. What you see is not what you always get. There's always going to be more 
than meets the eye. How many of you realize today we're in a spiritual battle? Yeah. There are things that are going on in the atmosphere even as we speak. Even now we are at war with an enemy that we cannot see. But make no mistake, he is a defeated foe. Jesus conquered him at Calvary. And although he continues to fight, he continues to cause trouble, continues to pull you into battles, tries to defeat you individually, he knows that the end, of the, result war of this, the end result of this war is not in question. That's why I don't believe for a moment that he ever tries to go head-to-head with Jesus anymore. Right? You know, a lot of people think, if, you know how you do the, the little word association thing where I say something and you're supposed to say the opposite, right? If I say, if I say day, you say... If I say blue, black, you say, right? We do that word. So a lot of people, if you say God, they immediately say, yeah, but that's not right. Because he's already defeated, so he's already on a lower rung. So he doesn't go head to head with Jesus anymore. He tries to go head to head with you and me. Because if he can get you and me to trip up, then he, 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 that's the best he's got, right? That's all he can do because he can't go head to head with Jesus because he's already defeated. And so he's go, he tries to mess with us. He tries to cause trouble, pull you into battles, tries to defeat you individually. So he comes after us that way and, and particularly at moments when we isolate ourselves or get away from the rest of the body. Think about it. Predators within the animal kingdom, they don't go after the herd. No, they wait for the antelope at the back of the pack as he wanders away from the crowd. And I think the devil is the same way. Maybe he wandered because he's hurt. Or maybe he's just got a wandering spirit, right? He just likes to wander. Maybe he's just aloof and he doesn't like to stay connected. Either way, it's the one sheep that wanders away from the pack that is in the most danger of the enemy's attack. Anybody here been feeling attacked lately by the enemy? Maybe, maybe we need to consider whether we are drifting away from the flock. Because that's when we're most vulnerable. Maybe he's been attacking you physically, putting sickness on you. Maybe making you question whether your faith has been misplaced. Oh, they said we serve a God who can heal, and yet I'm sick. Maybe he's been attacking your finances, you know, trying to convince you that faithfulness with tithes and offerings is, not, is a mistake. Maybe he's been attacking your family bringing temptations onto you that cause you to question whether your spouse is the right one. Maybe he's gone so far as to manipulate you in the Word of God to the place where you begin to question your faith, question what you know to be true, question things that you've stood for, even taught others yourself. We need to recognize the enemy's attack. See, what you see is maybe being depressed, just going through a tough time, just dealing with some stuff, just to struggle, What you may today say, oh, that's just my cross to bear. You need to recognize that there are things at work that you may not see with the physical eye, but through the eyes of the Spirit, you will notice that there is more going on than meets the eye. We are not ignorant today of his devices. Is depression real? Absolutely. Is mental health concerns a tough thing? Absolutely. But not everything disguised as depression is depression. Sometimes it's sent from the enemy to attack us, to make us feel down and discouraged and keep us from following after the will of God. Things are not always as they appear. There is more here going on than meets the eye. In our flesh, we may take a beating. 
in our earthen vessels, we may get beaten up, we may have scars, we may have blemishes, we may have hurts and pains and weaknesses. And if that was the only plane on which this war was fought, we might have reason to throw in the towel. If the only level was the one you could see, you might have reason to quit this morning. I might have reason to check out, to give up, to stop fighting, to just give in. But I have a treasure that has been placed inside this earthen vessel. And though my vessel might be rough, though it may have some scars, it may have taken a beating, though it may look like not much, not of much value to those who are looking at it from the outside, it's not what you can see that matters most, it's what's inside the vessel that matters. And that's why Paul says, notice in verse seven again, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In the face of adversity, in the face of circumstances, which might would dictate otherwise, in the face of trouble, the face of despair, my outward man may be beaten down. My outward man may look like he is defeated. My outward man may have been in the fight of his life, but Paul said there's more than meets the eye here. I'm hard-pressed on every side, yet you can't crush me. Why? Because there's a treasure inside this earthen vessel that pushes back, that doesn't allow me to get so far down that I can't go forward. I'm perplexed. I'm trying to figure it out. It just doesn't make sense. I'm perplexed, and yet within me I find a reservoir of strength that even when I don't understand, I learn to trust, and therefore I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted. Yeah, I face some stuff. Sometimes it feels like everybody's against you. You ever felt like that? Everybody turned their back on you. Everybody's fighting you, yet in the face of the persecution, I know who I am. I know in whom I believed. I know on whose side I fight. And in spite of the raging battle, I am not abandoned. He is with me, and he is for me. I'm struck down. Yeah, I've been knocked down. You've been knocked down? I took a blow that caused me to falter. I failed. I fell. I went down. I'm on the mat. The referee is counting. And yet, although I've been knocked down, although I took a bad blow, although I failed, although it looks bad right now, because although I've been knocked down, because of the treasure that is in this earthen vessel, I may be down, but I'm not out. I may have been struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Many of you know I love the character of Joseph in the Bible. Probably one of my favorite characters. Just the arc of his story is amazing. And if you can imagine Joseph at some point in his life, I just imagine the enemy getting in his ear and just telling him to quit, to give up, to forget his dream. It was a stupid dream anyway. From the moment you opened your mouth and shared your dream, life has just gone downhill for you. You were the favorite son, and now look how far you have fallen. You spouted off at your mouth, told your brothers your dream, and what did it get you? It got you a one-way ticket to the pit. A fake death certificate was given to your dad, and then from the pit, you were fished out only to be sold to a band of merchants who made you a slave and took you to Egypt. And then in Egypt, you become the servant in Potiphar's house, and you get accused of attempted rape, and now you're in prison. You make some friends who you helped out with some of their own dreams, but even they forgot about you when they got out, when they got out of prison. Wow. Any of you ever had friends that you helped out, and then they just forgot all about you? Usually, I guarantee it was probably after you helped them move and then 
they needed your help to move and they were no longer right. Yeah. Down, 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 just beaten down. But no matter how bad it got, Joseph wasn't destroyed. He was buoyed or kept afloat by the dream that God put in him. He held on to the dream. And I want to encourage somebody today. You should too. I don't know what your dream is. I don't know what God has told you is going to come to pass in your life. But whatever it is, don't give it up just because right now on the outside it doesn't look like it's working the way you thought it would. It may look dark right now, but remember what it is that is on the inside of you. Remember who is working on the inside of you. Right now on the outside, it may not look like it's coming together. But remember the treasure that is hidden in your earthen vessel that's been placed there because that is going to keep you going when other things are pulling you down. When God started bringing Joseph's dream to pass, he took him to the highest heights of the land. He became second in command of all of Egypt. And finally, his brothers come to Egypt looking for food, begging for bread. They don't even recognize that it's Joseph they're standing in front of. And finally, when all is revealed for the rest of their lives, the the brothers seem to live in fear that Joseph would take revenge on them. But Joseph sees what others can't see. Joseph recognizes that God is doing something that is bigger than just them and recognizes that there's more going on than can be seen at the moment. In Genesis 50 and verse 20, he says, but as for me, or as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He said, you know what? Y'all thought you were doing something to me. You thought you were doing evil against me, but I just want you to understand what you were doing was setting up something that you can't understand or see because while evil was coming against me, God was swirling something around in the atmosphere that would bring about good. God was bringing about something that was so much greater than the evil that you were working in me. And while you beat me up on the outside, the dream was still going to bubble up to the surface and come to pass because even though I went down, I did not have to be out. Even though I was pushed, I wasn't crushed. Why? Because God was working it out on my behalf. And so today you may have things going on in your life that feel like evil's coming against you, but just understand, if you've got that treasure that's in that earthen vessel, God is working on your behalf to bring about good. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for a moment, verse 16. He says, therefore we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Paul says that although we face all this adversity, even though we face dilemmas and delays and maybe feel destitute or discouraged, maybe even we face death, in spite of it all, we don't lose heart. Because all the outward, that vessel, all of it is perishing. But the inward man, the treasure that is within the vessel, it is being renewed day by day. The Bible says his mercies are renewed every day morning. That treasure that is in your vessel is being renewed by the presence of God every day because the presence of God is shining forth out onto the inward man. And so even though our inward, outward man may be perishing, our inward man renewed day by day continues to shine forth the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. And that's why Paul goes on to say, for our light affliction, verse 17, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In light of heaven, glory, eternity, whatever you want to call it, this little bit I have to face today is a light affliction. But Pastor Rodney, you don't understand. I'm facing some tough stuff. This isn't light. It's heavy. I'm beaten down. I want to quit. 
It might have been light for you, but for me, this is tough. I get it. No question. And I understand. I know what it's like to go through stuff to feel like you are just beaten down and don't want to go forward. I've had moments where I'd rather died than kept on living. I've had moments when getting out of bed in the morning seemed too large of a chore. That the only thing I wanted to do was just go back to sleep rather than face the day. Where I felt so beaten down, so crushed, so ground under the heel of life. Some of that was the devil. Some of that was my own doing. But I still felt so defeated, so ready to give up, to quit. How could Paul expect me to see that what I was facing was a light affliction? It didn't feel light. It felt heavy. It felt like more than I could bear. I'll never forget one particular time when I was in a pretty down place. Somebody told me, oh, you can make it, brother, because the Bible says he won't put on you more than you can bear. And so I went to look up that scripture, and that ain't what that scripture says. I don't mean to say he was preaching false doctrine, but he was definitely confused. Uh, bless him, Jesus. Let me read to you what the scripture actually says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I thought, oh no. All my life I had this hope that no matter what I faced, God wouldn't put on me more than I could bear. And now I don't even have that hope. I've been foiled by the Word of God. But then I got to looking at it, and I thought, wait a minute. I'm being tempted to quit. The devil wants me to give up, to not fight, to not stand for what's right. He'd rather I give in, just quit, walk away, give up on God, give up on truth, give up on morality, give up on my family. He wants me to quit. But that scripture says that with every temptation, he, God, provides a way of escape so that I can bear it. What's the way of escape that he's providing for you in your situation right now? Well, for starters, I've been focused more on all my problems, my issues, my uncertainties, my failures, and I haven't been focused at all on the solution which is found in God. I get my eyes on the right stuff. So many times we are so blinded by the stuff that is going on around us. We are so blinded by the troubles in our life. We are so blinded by the things that are going on in us and around us and all the things that are happening in our life that we can't get our focus where it needs to be. If we would put our eyes on Jesus, we would recognize that the problems that we are facing are small compared to the greatness of our God. We'd realize that when we are sick, he still heals. When we are going through tough times, he still works miracles. When we are facing the ugliest of this life, we still serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And when I put my eyes on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, he doesn't just start it, he intends to complete it. And so you might be going through a tough time right now, but the story's only half over. Keep on going, because he will finish the story. And as long as you're not dead, he ain't done. Just got to get my eyes on the right stuff. 
Then verse 18, he says, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When I get into trouble, when I constantly am looking through the eyes of my flesh, and I stop looking through the eyes of the Spirit, when I put my eyes on my enemy and take my eyes off my Savior, that's when the trouble begins to come in on my life. For the things that I see are only temporary. I need to remind myself of that. The struggles, the troubles, the things you're going through right now, only temporary. But the things that are going to last, the trouble's only going to last for so long. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It only comes in the morning. You got to get through the night. Just go through the tough time right now because guess what? Just around the next corner, just over the next hill, just over the next horizon is the answer that you're looking for if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus. What you see is only temporary, but what we see with the eyes of the Spirit is eternal. What lies below the surface is going to last forever. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and they're gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now, those are the things that are going to last forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, this is the follow-up to what Paul has just talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, referring to our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In other words, this old body's going to go away from here. This house of clay that we have, that we are housed in, it's going to die and pass away. But we have a new house. God has created a new place, a new body for his spirit to dwell in in eternity. And we're going to have a new home eternal in the heavens. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor Rodney. I'm taking a beating right now. I know, but it's only going to last for so long. Another character that I love in the Bible, his name is Job. Any of y'all know Job? Some of y'all thought it was called Job, I know, but it's Job. Job had it rough. I don't know if anybody here could ever say they had a bad day, but nobody had a bad day like Job. Pretty rough, right? I mean, literally in one day, all of his wealth, and he was the wealthiest dude in the, in the whole earth at the time, was wiped out in one day. He lost all of his children in a storm in one day. And the only thing he was left with was these mealy-mouthed servants that the devil let escape to come and tell him his problems. Three friends who basically accused him of being a sinner. And a wife who told him just to quit and die. He had a bad day. And then for 30 chapters, basically, his three friends accuse him of making mistakes that caused God to curse him and him defending himself. And finally, at the end of Job's life, all that he'd gone through, God suddenly gives him back all that he lost and then a whole lot more, right? But in the middle of Job's trial, right, we, we want the end of Job's life. We don't always want Job's trial, right? We want the results of the end of Job's struggle. We don't want the, stu the struggle itself. Job, in the middle of his struggle, he says this amazing thing to God. He's having these conversations with God, and basically he's angry with God, and he's fussing at God and asking God why I could let something like this happen to him. And 
I, I want you to know the wonderful thing about God is he's big enough to handle all of your accusations and questions. And it's okay to go to God and be upset. It's okay to go to God and even be mad and ask God tough questions because he's big enough to handle it. We just have to be big enough to handle the answers that he gives us back. Because as Job tossed his accusations and questions at God, God came back to Job and said, hey, bud, where were you at when I told the water it could come this far and no farther? Where were you at when I created the warehouses of snow and ice in the heavens? Where were you at when I created the animals? And where were you at when I did all of the things that I've done? And through that conversation, Job makes this amazing statement. He says, God sets an end to my darkness. <laughs> yeah, man, this has been rough. But the same God who told the oceans it could come this far on the sand and no farther, the same God who said this can go on for this long and no more, the same God who said night can last so long and then the sun will rise in the morning, the same God in the midst of my trial, my struggle, my problems, all the things I've gone through, he sets an end to my darkness. He says, darkness, you can come this far, no farther. You can come into his life this much, but it's got to stop right now. He set a permanent date and time that said, this is when it's coming to an end. The darkness can only last for so long because what you see is temporary, but it's earthly. But what lies beneath is eternal. And so what you're going through right now, it may be rough, and I guarantee you it is a tough time. But God said it's only going to last for so long. I've set an end to the darkness, and things are going to change, and things are going to come to pass that are going to blow your mind. You just got to go through the trial that you're going through right now. You may take everything I've got. You may destroy my earthly house, this tent. You may take my life itself, but I have a building from God, a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. If the musicians and singers would come. About 10 years ago or so, uh, 12 years ago, I guess now, we were at a place in our lives where, to be honest, my wife and I, we felt just really beat up. We've been, we'd been gone from Life Church for about two years. We were helping in a church in Northern Virginia. Uh, we missed home. We had faced a lot of stuff. Our situation was becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, we had suffered through a great season of loss, um, a lot of personal losses, family losses. My mom had passed away. My dad had suffered a massive heart attack and had a quadruple bypass and just gone through a, a lot of emotional trauma over about a three to four year period. And I'll never forget one particular Sunday I had preached and I was exhausted, but I was just at a place where I knew that something in our lives had to change. I wasn't sure what, but what I knew for sure was that we just felt completely crushed under the weight of the previous three to four year period. And this is late 2010, and this man of God that I respect greatly, he pulled me aside and he said, I don't know why I feel led to tell you this, but for some reason I feel led to tell you that the best olive oil comes from those olives that have been pressed the most. So being the kind of studier I are, I am, <laughs> I started researching olive oil, and I found that if olives are pressed too little, the olives produce too little oil. But when they're pressed an appropriate amount, they produce an oil that is fragrant and usable. When they are pressed to the point that they are crushed too greatly, 
the oil actually becomes rancid and loses its flavorful qualities. Many times we look at people and we want what they have. We want their anointing. We want their blessings. We want the things that God is doing in their life. We want to walk in their level of faith and their effectiveness, but we don't want the pressing that they've gone through. We want to experience all that they got going on, but man, I don't want to go through anything to get there. But the most fragrant anointing, the most fragrant oil, the most flavorful olive oil comes from the olives that are pressed the right amount. They go through a pressing process to where they are pushed and crushed down until it produces the right amount of oil. But too much crushing produces this bitter, rancid oil. You ever met somebody that went through a lot of stuff and didn't go through it with Jesus? And they become so bitter and angry and rancid and toxic that you just don't even want to be around them. But there's something that happens when we're on the press. And while we are being pressed, we have Jesus with us in the process. We have that treasure that's hidden in the earthen vessel. And as we are pressed, it doesn't allow us to be crushed. We are pressed, but we're not crushed. And as we are pressed, but not crushed, the fragrant oil of the presence of God, the anointing of God begins to flow out of us, and it begins to touch the lives of others. And even though we have gone through an awful time, we are able to be a blessing to others. Why? Because the aroma and the fragrance of the presence of God flowing out of us touches the lives of others. See, right now you may feel like you're on the press, and while you are on it, it hurts to go through stuff. It's painful to struggle, to writhe under the pressure. But the fragrant anointing that is being pressed in, uh, produced in you can't come unless you go through the pressing. Paul said, I might be pressed, but I'm not crushed. You might be feeling the pressure today, but it does not have to crush you. It does not have to destroy you. If you will place your eyes upon the treasure that is within you, turn your eyes to Jesus. Don't look at the pressing things that are coming around you, but put your eyes on Jesus who is holding you up. Allow the pressure to bring forth an anointing in your life that gives you the power to rise above all the peripheral stuff that's coming against you at this moment. If you'd all stand with me all over this house, I'm going to stay in myself if I can. Michael, if you check that. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to roll on out of here in just a second. But before I do, this morning I was thinking about Jesus and particularly how he went to Calvary for each and every one of us. And I thought about all the people that were there at Calvary observing the crucifixion three guys on a cross two of them really bad dudes one of them spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world no sin but they didn't know that all they saw was three criminals on a cross looking through the eyes of their flesh they had no comprehension of what was being done on that day as they beat and they whipped they drove nails and they 
dropped a cross into a hole and shoved him up into the air. They had no idea that the God of the universe who spoke the worlds into existence, housed in the flesh of Jesus Christ, was being crucified for their sin and for our sin today. All they could see was a criminal being crucified on a cross. And yet, there was more going on than met the eye. There was a lamb that was being sacrificed for the sins of the whole world. Not just the world of that day, but every sinner that had lived previously and every sinner that will ever live forward. In other words, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, so every human being who ever lived was being provided for in that moment. And as they crushed him and they persecuted him and as they beat him and as they whipped him and as they drove nails into his hands, there was something going on in the heavenlies that was breaking forth out of him. And as he was being crushed that day, that anointing of, of salvation was being spread throughout the whole of all of time. And as he was crushed, there was healing that was flowing forth out of him that was going to take care of your sicknesses and mine. And as, as he was going down, redemption was being poured out. And as they tossed him in a tomb, he was providing for you and for me all that we needed to make it forward. That the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ could be shed abroad in our hearts, could be placed within this earthen vessel, that we might be able to walk free of sin and walk forward toward him and live our lives in such a way that we could impact the world around us. And so I'm going to open this altar today, and I'm going to encourage you to come. No matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus today, maybe you've been a Christian for 40 years, or maybe you've been a Christian for four minutes, or maybe you're not a Christian at all. Wherever you are today, whatever is going on in your life, whatever the struggle, whatever the trouble, whatever the trial, I serve a God today who doesn't want you to be pressed alone. He's willing to go through it with you. He will place his spirit within your earthen vessel to give you hope for tomorrow, to give you a chance to make it through, to allow your, pre- allow your spirit to be merged with the spirit of Christ. And all of a sudden, the inner man that seems like he's about to go down is only now going to stand up and rise up and the only reflection will be the greatness of his power instead of the fallacy of our flesh i want to be that way don't you i want to be filled with him i want to have his presence inside of me living within me so that i can make it in those moments when everything around me seems to fall apart and so i'm going to open this altar today as they begin to sing but before they sing as you're coming today if you just would come i just want to lead you in a moment of prayer father i thank you thank you for this day and this moment i thank you for allowing us the opportunity to gather together and to be in your presence and to celebrate you i thank you lord that when you look at mankind you don't see us through our faults and our shortcomings and our fallacies but rather you see us through what you accomplished at calvary and today god we give you glory and we honor you we thank you for your blessings in our life we thank you lord that in spite of the pressure that we may feel, in spite of those disappointments and the discouraging times that we go through, we know that your treasure that is within us, that you have put within us, it allows us to keep going forward because your presence guides our life and directs us. And though what we see on the outside may seem like it's going to crush us, we know that there's something going on that we cannot see that is so much greater than we can imagine. We thank you today, Lord. Let your presence reign in this house in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.
If you'd continue to pray, they're going to lead us in a song. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'll testify. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done.
the Lord has made. And we are here to see another physical proclamation of faith. Today we're here with Julie Johnson, and Julie's here to once again give her life to Jesus. At any time when we have stumbled or when we have gone through many different things, we can come back to Jesus. We can make that physical decision and not just in our hearts. And today, God, we come to you in the name of Christ Jesus. And we say thank you. Thank you for letting Julie Johnson be here and be able to receive your spirit and be filled with it. And today, Julie Johnson, we're here and we baptize you in the name of Christ Jesus because His is the power. If I'm not dead, you're not dead. Greater things are still to come. of faith and I know there's many people out there that are struggling in their hearts and they're wondering I got baptized already did that count or should I do it again well that's between you and the Lord go pray about it if you need to be baptized go talk to one of the pastors but today we're here to celebrate we're here to celebrate new life coming on to jeffrey booth new life because these dry bones are now being now coming to life and we're here father we're here father in the name of christ jesus and we give you thank you we give you thank you because we're here to baptize jeffrey booth and we baptize him in the name of christ jesus if i'm not dead you're not dead Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. This is my testimony from death to life. 
service this morning that I remember very well 2009 to 2012. It was not a a part of my life that I really want to go back to. The pain was intense. It was not good. I was not good. And the people around me loved me through it. That's what you do when you love God. You love them through it. You love, there are people in this church that loved me back to life. There are people in this church that knew me, I was not in a good place, and they loved me anyway. That's the power of God. And where I was, was bitter, angry, frustrated, hurt, mad. There are all those things. And I was rightfully so. I could have stayed there. But Jesus, in his mercy, he saw me and he knew that he could do a work in my life. And what happens when you are pressed is that God is taking out of you things that don't need to be there. And he puts things in you that he wants there. So I became a different person. I thought I knew Jesus, but what I knew was religion. What I know today is Jesus. Who I stand in today is Jesus. He did a work, a complete work in my life. And I can tell you, when you've been wounded deeply, sometimes it's a journey of healing. It doesn't always happen instantaneously. And there are moments when things come up and you gotta deal with them. Emotions, feelings, thoughts can take you right back to 2009 and just a couple weeks ago sister Thompson Robin Thompson and I were talking and she said to me Davina I don't know why you went through that and I said I do I was a rotten person and God needed to change me and God can do that for you too every hurt every pain can have a purpose and I believe that for you today in 2021 2021 At the end of the year, I asked God for a word, and he gave me one, and the word was hope. And I can tell you in our family, it wasn't, didn't look like hope at at the end of 2021. All of 2022, we had something going on, and um, I'm not going to go into it because it's their personal business, but it hurt and it crushed us. And I will tell you this, as a parent, if your children are hurting, you hurt. You hurt deeply. And I kept saying to God, why did you give me this word? You gave me this word hope and I don't see hope at all. It was dark everywhere I looked. Every time I would think I would see just a glimmer, another thing would happen. It just crushes again, over and over and over again. And finally, I began to see that when you look beyond what I don't see in the natural, 
but God is at work in the spiritual. And God is doing a great and mighty work. And I believe him and I trust him even when I don't see. And I hope and pray that you got something today that you can hold on to, that you can trust God for, because I know the things that happen in my life aren't unique. I know that some of you are struggling just as well, and I'm praying for you to get through those things. Amen. So today I'm here just to do the announcements, but you know, they let me speak and they give me a microphone every now and then. So that's what you get. Um, So a few announcements. One Um, If you're new here and this is your first time, there's a connect card in the seat in front of you. If you'll fill that out, put that in the giving centers in the back. Um, We will not harass you. We used to. We don't. We won't. We used to go to your house and bring you a little gift. We're not doing that anymore. That's been years ago, but we did it. 7-Eleven days, remember? We used to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we don't do that. I promise you, we will not come to your home You can trust me. If someone comes to your home, come and tell me. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But we do want to stay connected with you. So please fill out that Connect card. And then there's three ways to give here at Life Church. You can give by text. You can give in the Giving Center at the back of the auditorium. Or you can do it online. And so please be faithful in your giving. And then the final thing, we do have a marriage uh, retreat coming up in April. The dates are April 21 through 22. So please do not miss that. We've got some great people coming, some personal friends of mine. I trust them. I trust them very, very much. I've known them for many years, and they are going to bless your soul. So please register for that. Be here when we have open registration. And I just want to pray a blessing over you, and we're going to go. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for hope. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins, for healing me, for healing my wounded spirit. God, I pray a blessing over this congregation today. Those that are hurting, those that cannot see beyond the things in their lives right now, I speak peace, I speak comfort, I speak miracles, I speak perspective, God, that they will be able to look above, set their eyes on you, God, and see beyond what their natural eye can see. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.